if you've been here, we're, we're doing a series uh, called Abound, and really we're talking about our resources and particularly our finances with the goal of understanding that I want to be in charge of my money. I want to manage my money. I don't want my money to manage me. How many of you can say amen to that? I don't, I don't want to be controlled by my money. And 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says that I can abound to every good work. And that's our goal for you. That's why we're teaching this. We want to help you abound in your finances. And last week, I talked about this simple way to do that is that you want to have some seed and some bread, meaning you want some uh, finances that you are investing and saving and giving, and you want some finances that you are consuming. You, you sow seed and you eat bread. And the Bible says you give seed to sowers and bread to eaters. And that the initial target, I believe, that the Bible sets for us is that we want about 20% of our income to be seed and about 80% to be um, bread. And if you do that and you do it for a long period of time, you'll end up in good shape. Now, um, Dave Ramsey would tell you you ought, to, you ought to be saving 15% and invest in that. And so he's smart, so I would agree with what he, what he says. But if you're not doing 80-20 yet, then that make that your goal. But if you're already doing 80-20, then, then shoot for more than that. Now, if you're not doing that, are you supposed to condemn yourself? No, are you supposed to feel like a bad Christian? No, you're just, it's just, we have, we have goals. It's not bad to have goals, right? Poke your neighbor and say, it's not bad to have a goal, okay? <laughs> All right, so the first step is in mastering my money is that I regularly want my expenses to be less than my income. I want my income to exceed my expenses. Once I've done that, I've got some seed. And then the question is, what do I do with that? So the next two weeks, we're going to talk about what to do with our seed. And the first thing that I believe you should do with your seed is to give. And uh, so we're going to talk about giving today. And why should we give? We're going to talk about uh, healthy reasons to give, unhealthy reasons to give. And we're going to confront the elephant in the room called tithing. We're going to face controversy full in the face. People will doubtless be stressed out, but as with everything, our goal is always to cheer up your theology and hopefully leave you uh, feeling less, less controlled and freer to do what God has called you to do. So why should, I, why should I give, Pastor? Well, let's look real quickly at Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10. And, and when I'm saying giving here, I mean, I, I'm, I believe in giving to the church, but I'm just saying giving in general. All right, there's lots of good causes to give to, and the Bible says you can abound to every good work. But I believe in giving to God first. Why? Well, it says in Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, honor the Lord with your substance and the first fruit of all your increase. Why? So shall your barns be filled with plenty, and your presses shall burst out with new wine. Proverbs is a unique book in the Bible. It's not really tied, in my opinion, to a covenant. It's Solomon who's really smart because of the grace of God that's on his life. And he's looking around and he's just saying, these are principles about the way the world works. And you can either be on the right side of a principle or the wrong side. And it's not that God's mad at you if you're on one side or the other. It's just, you know, uh, certain things work certain ways. And I'll, I'll use this example later as well. But if you move to the United Kingdom 
and, and you try to drive on the right side of the street like we do here. You might say, well, I'm from America. America's better than England, so I'm going to drive on the right side of the street. Well, you can, but that's probably not going to work out well for you because, because they have, there's laws about, about the way that that kingdom operates. Well, in the kingdom of God, there's, there's rules, not like controlling rules. There's, there's principles. There's just the way the world works. And one of the ways that the world works is that if you're a giving person, if you live a generous lifestyle, that leads to increase. It just does. If you live with an open hand, you've got both hands open to receive what God wants to give you. But if I'm holding tightly to everything because I'm afraid, that tends to be the, the underlying factor behind not wanting to be generous is, is fear of not having enough. And if I'm being controlled by that, that will limit what God can do in my life. So I want to do it, the Bible says, to honor God. I think, I think this probably is the most profound reason I, that I give anyway, is, is I just do it because I love Jesus and I want to honor him. And I don't really need reasons beyond that. Now, it says that that will lead to my financial blessing, so I'm thankful for that. But even if it didn't, I would still want to give to God because he's given so much to me. In fact, John 3.16 says that he loved, excuse me, he so loved the world that he gave who? Jesus. This is why you can't outgive God because God already gave you Jesus. God's the biggest giver. It's in his nature to, to give. He's just other loving and, and giving. It's part of of who he is. So why else should I give? Well, because the biggest giver lives in me. He's my father, and I'm like him. So he likes to give, so I like to give. So at this church, we believe in giving because we like to. Let's try that again. Thank you. <laughs> at this church, we believe in giving because we like to. Okay, so it's fun. It's fun to give. Some of the best times in my life have been giving money away. Why? Because, because that's what God does. And Jesus said that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Do you think he knew what he was talking about? Yeah, so it's a blessing to give. Now, 1 Corinthians 9.11 says that if somebody's ministering to you spiritual things, it's all right to give to them carnal things. Meaning that, that if if you're being fed by something, it's godly to give to support that ministry because you're being fed. That's what it says. You can also give to honor people. 1 Timothy 5.17 says that. Um, I'm trying to go through these quickly because this is kind of a long message. Uh, you also want to give to advance the gospel. In Philippians 4.15-17, through 17, I won't read this, but Paul is, is commending the Philippian church and he's saying, you guys are the only church that partnered with me. And even when I was in Macedonia, you sent uh, money to help me in the ministry. And, and he said, basically, you guys are partners, and you made this possible. So Paul was going around preaching the gospel. And even back then, it cost money to do that kind of stuff. I mean, it probably cost more money. I don't know. He, he rode around on ships and all this, and it was, it was crazy. I can't. I, I admire Paul. And so we want to give because we want to see the, the gospel advanced. You can't, you can't put a price on somebody's soul. You can't put a price on somebody's healing or somebody's deliverance from, 
from some kind of bondage or whatever. So the gospel saves us. It frees us from all kinds of problems. And so I like to give to advance the gospel. And then James 1.27 says that true religion is, is this, to visit uh, widows and orphans. And it, when it talks about that, it's not just saying, you know, going up to a widow and saying, hey, how's it going, and then leaving. The, the idea is, is that you're, you're helping those that can't care for themselves, right? You, one, of my, one of my favorite ministries on the earth is Compassion International. Uh, and what they do is their mission statement is releasing children from poverty in the name of Jesus. And so we sponsor a child through Compassion. The, the Children's Church sponsors a child too, and so uh, it's just kids that can't can't care for themselves. They're they're innocent, and we have uh, an ability to take care of them, and so it's scriptural to do that. So I like to do that. All right. So those are all good godly reasons to give. Now there are. So how many how many of you like those reasons? Can you get behind something on there? Okay. There are wrong reasons to give. Really? Yes. So let's read these real quickly. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. says, Even except every man, according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So he says, give, but not if you have to do it grudgingly. If I have to pry it from your cold, dead fingers, it'd be better if you didn't give it. I'm serious. That's what it says. Or of necessity. What's that mean? It means, it means if, if I stand up here and I say, oh, you got to help us. Our kids are starving. And, and, you know, Molly and I are about to go broke. And so then you feel bad and you give money out of necessity. That's, that's not good, all right? You don't want to give because you feel guilted by something. You want to give because it's, because it's a joy and you feel good about it. Does that make sense to everybody? Yeah. Now, what about this other issue? I want to spend probably the majority of the time dealing with, with this. Turn over to the book of Malachi chapter 3. The other bad reason to give is because you're afraid of being cursed. And this comes primarily from this scripture in Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 11, which say this, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, Wherein have we robbed you? In tithes and in offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open up to you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing uh, that will be not room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, neither shall your vine cast forth her fruit in the field, says the Lord. All right. So that's kind of an intense scripture. And unfortunately, the way... A lot of times this gets read as we pull it out of the context of the Old Covenant and we just sort of apply it indiscriminately to our lives. And, and uh, I'm not trying to be critical of anybody, but a lot of people have heard this and, and what they hear is basically this, that, that, that God is more like the Godfather than God the Father and, and you've got to pay him his protection money and you've got to, you've got to pay him off, you've got to pay him 10%. 
And if you don't pay up, what's going to happen is the devourer is going to come. The devourer is going to get you. All right, and he's going to come and, and mess you up. And, and the, the devourer, a lot of people in their theology is, is the devil. And so the devil is like God's enforcer or something. And so if you don't pay up, then what's going to happen is your car is going to break down and your, your house is going to mess up and, and you're going to have all these extra expenses and you should have just, you should have just paid God off and then, and then everything will be all right. And then we say on the reverse side, but look, you know, God, God may be cursing you because you don't give, but if you just turn around and start tithing, then all of a sudden everything magically will be fixed in your life. Okay, everybody okay? Deep breath. <laughs> Deep breath. I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but I want to be honest with what the Scripture does and doesn't say. It's important to understand what's literally being said here before you try to spiritualize it. What is literally being said here? In the context, we're talking about an Old Testament prophet speaking to the nation of Israel about their covenant which they had with God. The terms of their covenant was like this. You've got to bring all these tithes. Now, it wasn't just 10%. There were three tithes. You had to tithe 10% to the Levites. You had to keep 10% and then go... To, to Jerusalem and eat it with your family. And then every third year, you had to give 10% to the poor. So even if you could buy off God, you'd need to do about 23 and a third repeating percent, not 10. That's what it says, bring all the tithes. That's what, I'm, I'm just being honest. Okay? So he's talking to these guys and... and what did Deuteronomy say if you don't keep all the law? Part of the law is you've got to do these tithes and these offerings. You've got to do them. If you don't do them, you'll be cursed. What kind of curses? Well, if you read in Deuteronomy, some of the things that, that would happen is they'd have famine and they'd have pestilence. Why? Because they're an agricultural society. Read this again. What is, what is Malachi saying? He's saying, you're cursed, and he says... I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. What's he talking about? Literally. Rain. 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 Now, rain spiritually, I understand, is the move of the Holy Spirit, all right? But you need to understand literally what it means before you try to spiritualize it. He's saying, look, it's not raining here. Anybody notice that in the Old Testament? Sometimes it doesn't rain. Why? Because they're being cursed because they got into idolatry or something. And so, or they don't, they don't do the law. And he says, look, I can make it rain for you if you'll start keeping the law. And then he says, I'll rebuke the devourer. What's the devourer? Well, and literally, it's, it's talking about pestilences, like locusts and stuff, because they were killing their, their crops. Is that okay? That's literally what it's saying. Now, Here's, here's the question. Does this, does this have any bearing on, an, on a New Testament Christian? It doesn't. Now, why not? Well, because Galatians 3, turn over here. Galatians 3, 13 says really clearly that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the what? The law. Well, Malachi is not talking about any random curses. He's saying... Here's this written contract. 
You guys aren't keeping it. Therefore, you're being cursed because that's what the contract says. It's like, you know, if you, if you sign a lease with an apartment complex and then you're like, I want to move out. They're gonna, what are they going to say? Well, you got to pay a fee. That's a curse. Why do you have to pay a fee? Because you signed the contract. And you can't act surprised because the fee's there because you signed it. Well, the nation of Israel signed a contract with God that said they'd be cursed if they didn't keep all the law. Malachi says you're not keeping all the law, therefore you're cursed. But Jesus redeems us from all the curses of the law. Praise God. Being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. We're under a new covenant. And it's not like the old covenant where you had to work and do everything right. Otherwise, God had cursed you. And you're not trying to earn blessings either. Because the next verse says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through tithing. Does it say that? It does not. It says that we might receive the promise of the Spirit by faith. So, what does this mean? Well, it means this crazy thing, which is this. If you don't give, God loves you. And he's not mad at you. And he's not cursing you. But is that the end of the story? No, it's not. So, one part of, of misapplying Malachi 3.8 is when we believe that if I don't tithe or I don't do all these things right, then God's cursing me. That's, that's unscriptural in the New Testament. The other part, though, that, that sometimes people believe is that if I just tithe, that that will cause the windows of heaven to open for me. And if you think that way, you're, you, you may be in danger of putting your faith in your tithe instead of Jesus. And, and who, who opened the windows of heaven? The, the windows are open. I live under an open heaven. The Holy Spirit lives in me. How is there going to be any demonic blockage between here and, and there? There's not. I, I always have open access to God. Um, so I just want to be really, really honest with you, okay, about finances. I believe in tithing. I'm going to explain why in a minute. I believe in giving 10%, and I believe in doing it first. But to say, if, if, if your finances are a wreck, and, and you decide that you're going to start tithing, I think that's a good idea. But that may not fix every problem that you have. I'm just being really honest. It might if that's the major problem that you've got. Like I've heard stories, you've probably all heard stories. Some of my dearest friends, they couldn't ever pay all their bills when they first got married. They, they just had this problem and, and the mom was like, well, why don't you try tithing? And they're like, well, we already can't pay everything, so why not? So they, they started tithing. And from that day on, they've, they've been blessed and they've had success, okay? So sometimes, the, the major thing that may, that may be holding me back is I'm not giving. 
But that's not necessarily the only problem that you could have. And if I indiscriminately apply principles to my life without, without seeking wisdom from the Holy Spirit, I, you, you probably, I mean, I've heard this testimony because I'm a pastor. You may not. But, but I've also heard testimony where people were in major financial problems and they started tithing and things got worse. Why is that? Well, because, because not giving is not necessarily the only problem. Giving, everybody say this with me. Giving, giving. is one part, one part of a healthy, of a healthy financial, lifestyle. financial lifestyle. One part. It's a, it, it's a big deal. Really big deal. But if I tithe and I give the first 10% and then I don't manage the other 90 well at all, guess what? I'm, I'm still going to be in a big, big hurt. Is that, is that too honest for everybody? <laughs> um, so being financially successful is a holistic lifestyle, which giving is part of. It's not a magic bullet. We don't, we don't believe in get-rich-quick schemes. So let's specifically talk more about tithing. This is, this is like major debate in gray circles. And we've got people over here that say tithe. And we have other people say, you're a legalist for tithing. And, and there's this venom uh, between, between these groups. And uh, I just want to help you chill out a little bit and, and realize that, that maybe it's not as, as life or death issue as, as maybe you thought. Uh, should I tithe or should I not tithe? Well, as a, as a law, which, which had punishment associated with not doing it, that part of tithing has been done away. Once again, if I don't tithe, God is not going to punish me. That's done. However, consistent giving is still a godly principle. Why? Well, because, let's, let's look at 1 Corinthians 9. This is a phenomenal passage of Scripture. 1 Corinthians 9, verses 13 through 14. It says, this is Paul, and he's talking to the Corinthians. And if you know the whole story, the deal is that, the, you know, the Philippians, uh, they gave to Paul's ministry, and they helped him. The Corinthians did not. And while he was, you know, there, he had to make tents. He, he became a, a, a bivocational minister. And he worked so that he could preach the gospel. And there's nothing wrong with that. But notice what he tells him, because Paul's very honest. He says, Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple, and they which wait at the altar are partakers of the altar? He's... he's Making an Old Testament comparison. He's saying, don't you guys know that the Levites and the priests, the way they got food was when the uh, rest of the, the nation of Israel would bring sacrifices. So you'd, you, you know, if you're a tribe of Judah or something, you'd get your lamb and you'd, you'd take it up there and they'd, they'd, the priests would kill it and sacrifice it and they'd burn it up to God, but they'd reserve a portion of it. They had a piece of it that was theirs and that's what they ate. And they gave them other things, too, and stuff. And, and that was what enabled the priests to focus on their job. That's what it was. Now, Paul says this. Even so has the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. 
What's that mean? It means that even though in the New Testament we're all priests, everybody's a priest, there is no division between sacred and secular, everything's sacred to God, we're all ministers, all that stuff is true, but he is saying, look, there's, there's still a place for full-time ministers. There's still a place for uh, people who are called to, to focus on preaching the gospel full-time, and it's godly to support those people. And, and similar to how we tithed in the Old Testament, uh, we can give consistently in the New Testament to, to support those ministries. Does that make sense? Now, why is, why is that important? Well, because if you run a ministry or a church or whatever, we're, we're always thankful for whatever kind of gifts we get. And we're just, you know, we're just really blessed. But if you run one of these things, you recognize that what makes it go is when you know you can count on certain offerings every month. That's just the way the world works, right? I, I can't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, if somebody gives me, you know, $10,000, I'm really thankful. If I get that check, I'm really thankful. But what I'll do with it is I'll just take it and put it in the building fund because I can't count on that coming monthly, so it can't be part of the budget. So there's, there's a place in the New Testament for consistent giving, if you want to. Now here's the amazing thing about this scripture, is you read this, as Paul explains this, and then, he, and then he basically says, but you guys aren't doing that. And so I'm making tents. But did the earth swallow up and eat the Corinthians? No. Were they cursed? No. Why? Because they live in the New Testament. And Paul's basically saying is, look, to be totally honest with you, I probably shouldn't have to make these tents. But we live under the New Testament, and you can do whatever you want. And so, so here's the reality. Because in the New Testament, there is, God's not trying to control people, and ministers aren't trying to control people if they know what they're doing. And, you know, sometimes I've had people mad at me before because they're like, they're like, well, so-and-so did this in the church. And I'm like, what do you want me to do about it? And they're like, well, why didn't you stop them? Like, what do you mean, why didn't I? Am I supposed to follow everybody around and say, hey, don't do that? I mean, what? I, I, can't, I can't control everybody. On a good day, I can control me. So I'm not, I'm not the behavior police. I'm not, the, I'm not trying to control everybody. You know, I can persuade people. I work on it. One time I spent an hour and a half convincing a guy not to go to Denver and break somebody's legs. He was a bounty hunter. He was the best bounty hunter in Colorado, and somebody hurt his sister, and he was about to go up there and break his legs and his hands. And I thought, oh, my God, what am I supposed to say to this guy? Maybe I ought to call the police or something. But, but anyway, I, I persuaded him. <laughs> Praise God, Jesus helped me. But at the end of the day, it was his choice. And these guys, they weren't, they weren't helping Paul financially. And he's saying, look, that's, that's probably not the best, but it, it's just how it is. So there you go. No big deal. <laughs> Number two under, under B there. The other reason I like to give consistently is that, you know, the ideal thing is, is to want to give. 
The ideal thing is to want to read the Bible. But has anybody ever not, not wanted to read the Bible? Just be honest. Okay? But I need to read the Bible every day. So I have a plan. And it, it tells me to read the Bible. Even when I don't feel like it. Now, most of the time I feel like it. But, but it, it helps me. So that's another reason I give consistently. And I, I, I give at least 10% is because I automate stuff. Because my emotions go up and down. It's also good to automate your savings. We'll talk about that next week. Letter D. I believe that giving away 10% of your income is still an initial good target to shoot for. Not because you have to, but because you want to. And this is what I think about is, is the people in the Old Testament tithe at least 10%. How am I going to do less than what somebody in an inferior covenant did? I don't have to. I want to. I like to give. I want to be a big giver. I want to be the biggest giver in the church. I was for a while, but, but some of you have surpassed me. So, so good job. So anyway, I remember, well, I won't tell that story. All right. Is everybody okay? So what's the deal with tithing? Do I have to tithe? Look, here's the truth. There's no curse on you if you don't tithe. But if, if you don't want to give, then I think, I think one of two things have occurred. One is you've been so beat up by religion that, that you're, you, you don't trust anybody. So I get that. All right? And if that's you and you just need to sit there for a while, then, then no problem. The other possibility is maybe you haven't met Jesus the giver. Maybe you've got revelation about other parts of, of Jesus, you know, for a while, I didn't have revelation of Jesus the healer, so I never saw anybody healed, but then I got revelation of Jesus the healer, and then I see lots of people healed. So uh, I've, I've been blessed. I've hung around a lot of big givers. My pastor is the biggest giver I've, I've ever met. We joke that he's tight with his money, and he is if he's buying something for himself. He used to spend like $2 a day on, uh, he, he'd go out to eat for lunch, but his budget was $2. Actually, it was $1.50, and then he raised it to $2 because <laughs> of inflation. He had a mentor. He had a mentor that told him, he said to him, Lawson, this is when he was a young man, I want you to see how long you can go without spending any money. And he's like, no, I want you to see how long you can go without spending a dollar. And my pastor took that very seriously. <laughs> when they first got married, he made $800 a month, and they gave away 200 He's a very giving man, and that's just what he wants to do. He doesn't feel like he has to do it. He's not afraid of being cursed. He just likes to give. Um, the other thing about tithing is that, that if, if I give to God first, the idea of first fruits was that when you had the first fruits of your crop come in, that would prophesy to you about the rest of the crop. And... and uh, Romans 11.6 makes this point. It says, if the first fruit is holy, the whole lump will be holy. What's the point? The point is, if I dedicate the first part of my finances to God, suddenly all of it becomes holy. What's that mean? It, it means this. If I, if I steward well and I discipline myself to give away the first 10, 
I'm prophesying that I will similarly steward well the other 90. If I steward well the 10 and the 90, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to increase. I'm going to do well. So that's the other reason that that I think tithing is is healthy. Now, sometimes people want to ask all these questions. People have a lot of questions, and I understand I used to have these questions too. Should I tithe off the gross, off the net? Should I tithe this money? Should I tithe my Social Security? Should I tithe my IRA? I already tithe my IRA. Look, there's no law about any of that in there. There's no, I can't give you a chapter and verse. The question is, what do you want to do? You live in the New Testament, right? So... So the New Testament most of the time looks like this. It's us saying to God, God, what should I do? And God's saying, what do you want to do? <laughs> now, if you don't want to give, what that, re- what that does is it means, it means I've got a heart issue. Now, I don't get condemned about it. I don't think, well, I must be a terrible person. And I don't give just to force myself to. I, I go meet God the giver. And I think about how he gave me Jesus. And he gave everything to me. All right, now let's just continue to be super honest. You've probably never heard this in church. But it's possible to give away too much of your money. You can't outgive God because God's already given you Jesus. I believe that. But you can give away too much of your money. Why is that? Proverbs 11, verse 24 says... Well, let's just read it up there. There is that which scattereth and yet increases. So there's people that give away money and it leads to increase. Is that true? There is that which withholds more than is meat, which tends to poverty. So withholding more than you should, hoarding it, will actually lead to poverty. It will. But it says more than is what? Meat. Which means that it is meat, it is good that I withhold some. How much? That's between you and God. But I've got, I can't give away all my money because then my kids and my wife will suffer. All right. Everybody okay? So what's the deal with all this giving? Why do we give? Ephesians 1.3 will end here. And then we'll receive an offering. Ephesians 1.3 says that you have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Does tithing or giving make you blessed? What's this say? You've already been blessed. With how many blessings? All the blessings are already there. So does giving, does giving get me any more blessings? No. I give because I believe I'm blessed, not because I'm trying to get blessed. But here's a powerful principle, all right, is that my faith always expresses itself through a particular action. So last week, uh, a guy came in here, something Chelsea brought, and, and he was coming in on crutches. And I saw him, and I was like, praise God, Jesus is going to heal that guy. And so he came and sat down here. And afterwards, he came down and wanted prayer. So I started praying for him. He started getting better. And then I took his crutches away. 
And I said, now I want you to walk. And I, now I didn't do anything crazy, all right? But I held his hand and we walked around here. Why? Because, because the Bible says in 1 Peter 2, 24, by his stripes you were healed. It's, it's a blessing that's already happened. So, so what I was trying to get him to do was act in a way with line, which lined up with what was already true about him in the spirit. What I said right there is really good. <laughs> okay. If faith, faith is when I act in a way which, which lines up with what God's already done in the spirit. So I got him and we started walking. Now it was, it was challenging at first, but he started walking and he kind of started freaking out because he was, he was being healed. And he's, he's like, I couldn't, I couldn't walk. I couldn't put, you know, um, pressure on my foot. And then we took his brace off and the swelling was gone. Anyway, he walked out of here without, without crutches. It was really, it was a lot of fun. But, but, but the issue is, is that faith expresses itself through action. You've got, to, you've got to be clear about this. I can't earn faith. I can't manufacture faith through my actions. I, I, have to, I believe first, and then I act. If I act first, I can get in trouble. Why do we give? It's, it's the exact same principle. It's I believe that God has blessed me. And as a response to that, I'm going to act in a way which lines up with what I believe about myself. So I want you to say this with me, whether you feel like it or not. I am blessed. I am a giver. I am a generous person. Money does not control me. Money comes to me and flows out to bless other people. How many of you believe that? So look, if, if you want to put action to your faith, you can give right now. You don't have to. God loves you. I love, I don't, I don't know, I don't have like reserved seats for the, for the biggest givers. I don't really know. I don't pay attention. I, and I don't, I don't, I don't try to figure out how, what percentage, Barbara, what percentage are you giving? You know, are you giving enough? You know, they, anyway. I, we don't live under that covenant, guys. It's, 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 it's a hard issue. And what, what you'll find, what I've found, is that when you take the pressure off of, of yourself and off of people and you let people do what they want, they actually give more. It's crazy. It's like when you quit telling people to stop sinning, they actually live holier. So, if you want to give and you want an offering envelope, raise your hand up. The ushers will get you those really quickly. If you're giving with a check, you can give to CKC. If you're giving with credit or debit card, you can fill that deal out. If you're giving with cash, you need a receipt for your cash offering, you can give in there. <laughs> so, here's what happens is when that guy started to walk, that's when the breakthrough manifested. Does that make sense to people? When, when I act in a way that lines up with what I believe, that's when, that's when breakthroughs happen. If I need a financial breakthrough, 
one of the best things I can do is give. Because it agrees, it agrees with my, my identity in Christ. The Bible talks about Joseph, and Joseph was stripped naked on the, on the uh, auction block. He was being sold as a slave. He was, by any definition, poor. But the Bible says Joseph was a prosperous man. You know why? Because he was prosperous inwardly. And that showed up on the outside over time. It may take time. Your, your bank account may say to you, you're not prosperous. But you don't listen to that. That's, that's making money your God. Don't listen, to, don't listen to that. God says you're prosperous. And if you'll believe that, it'll change your out external reality. So I want to encourage you to give in faith today. Don't give. Don't try to buy off God. Don't, don't give as a debt. Give as an investment. Give as a seed. And believe God with us that we're going to see more people healed and saved and delivered and set free by the power of God. That's what we'll use it for. Everybody okay with that? All right. That's all. Oh, let's uh, receive the offering real quick, and then I'll pray for everybody. Thank you, Jesus. pastor says, if you'll get addicted to giving, God will support your habit. That's really true. This isn't, this isn't some sort of hocus pocus weirdness, guys. This is, it's just, it's just the reality of living a generous lifestyle. Being generous leads to increase. It just does. Even the secular world recognizes this. That's why a lot of the most successful companies tie. A lot of times they do more than that. The guy that ran Caterpillar for years, he, he uh, was a Christian, and he got to a place where he reversed tithe. He gave away 90% of his income and lived off 10. And they said, man, they criticized him for giving away 90%. And he said, look, I live way better off the 10 than I ever did when I was living off the 90. I think I just think we've looked at this all wrong. I think we've said, you know, there's this restriction where I've got to give ten. No, that's not what it, it's. It's that's a good goal, but I can give however much I want. I can believe God to give more. I want to be a big giver. I want to finance the kingdom. Amen. Well, we want to wish all of you dads a very happy Father's Day awesome people. Give them a round of applause. <laughs> to honor you, uh, you know, we give all the ladies a rose on Mother's Day, but we're thinking, what can we give men? Something manly. So we've got a bunch of beautiful kids over here. They're going to give you beef jerky. So if you're, if, if, if you are, if you are of the, uh, male persuasion, even if you're not a dad, we bought a lot of beef jerky. So we want you, we want you to grab some beef jerky on your way out, okay? And if my prayer team could come down here, I'm going to pray for everybody, and then we'll, uh, we'll be dismissed. Let's all stand up.
Father, thank you for this truth, and I just speak increase over your children. I thank you, Lord, that we're not under some sort of legalistic contract where we're, we have to do certain things, but that we get liberty to do what it is that you put in our heart to do. And so I just release identity over all of your sons and daughters that they would see themselves the way they truly are, that they would see themselves as givers, as generous people, and that they would increase because of that. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. We receive it in Jesus' holy name. Amen.